Do you need help? Need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. Calvary Live is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. If you have questions that have come up in your Bible reading, things that you're curious about, as relates to Christianity and the Bible, or if you have a prayer request, something you'd like to talk about that's going on in your life or ask prayer for, we would love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, 720-336-0897 is the text line. We want to say welcome to everybody who's tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, first of all, to those of you who are listening live right now in Colorado and Wyoming, up and down the Front Range on Grace FM. Glad you tuned in today. We also want to say hi to everybody who listens on the East Coast. We're syndicated on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and we love getting calls from you guys on the East Coast. And also, our other syndicated station in Truth FM in Tennessee, Eastern Tennessee, parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you tuned in today. Just a reminder that those of you who are listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay, but we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you call in, and then you'll be able to go back a week later and listen to yourself live on the air when the program airs in your region. So that's an awesome opportunity you have. So do give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We also want to say hello to everyone who listens online. So many of you we know tune in via the mobile app and through the website, gracefm.com. Just a reminder that if you are, you know, wherever you're at, if you are at work, sitting at your computer, you can tune in gracefm.com and you can listen live right there over the internet all day long and to this program as well. And you can also get the Grace FM app, and then you can listen to the show wherever you're at and, and whatever you're doing on the go. So we, we encourage you to do that. Whatever mobile device you use, go to your app store and, and just search Grace FM, and you'll find us there. The number to call, again, is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We'd love to hear from you. Just a few words about myself. My name, again, is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado, in Boulder County, Colorado. And we are a church that loves Jesus, and we love to study the Bible. And if you are in the Longmont area or in any of the surrounding communities, whether it's Frederick, Firestone, Decono, that area, or up into Berthoud, Lyons, if you're in North Boulder or Erie or Lafayette, that whole region. We would love to have you come and join us sometime for Worship and the Word at Whitefields. Our church meets in downtown Longmont at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is the St. Vrain Memorial Building. It's kind of a historic building here in downtown Longmont, just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, uh, just on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park. So St. Vrain Memorial Building, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we'd love to have you join us. Right now we are in a study 
called The Trouble Is, which is a six-week study. It's kind of an apologetics series, if you know what that is. Apologetics is kind of giving an answer to some of the questions or challenges that people bring to the faith. And we started this by doing a poll and asking people, you know, what are the things that cause you the biggest challenge or hurdle and when it comes to embracing Christianity and we got responses from people who are Christians, people who aren't Christians, people who are they're not totally sure exactly where they're at and we took their responses and we decided to create a series out of it responding to these questions and so we've been looking at stuff like how can we know that we can really trust the Bible? Does the Bible have a dubious history that we we can't really trust it or can we trust it and if so why? We looked at the issue of hypocrisy and, you know, some people say it's not Christian doctrine that I take issue with. It's the kind of people that Christianity creates because I've met some and I don't like them. And so we talked about that issue of hypocrisy in Christianity. And we also talked about science. Does science bury God? Does science bury the claims of the Bible? And then we also looked at a thing called the Christ myth. The Christ myth is the idea that the that Jesus never really existed, or if he did, he wasn't the way that the Bible portrays him to be, and that it's all kind of a myth that was taken from other ancient myths at the time, like Egyptian gods like Horus and all these things. And, and then people try to say that there are some parallels there with Jesus. And so we, we did a deep dive on that and looked at all those uh, things. And then just yesterday, we talked about suffering and evil. That's a big problem for a lot of people. You say, even though I've had a lot of callers here on Grace FM who say, you know, I, I understand what the Bible says, but it's really hard for me to believe it because of the things I've been through. Next week, uh, this coming Sunday, so for Mother's Day, we're going to be finishing up the series with by talking about hell and exclusivity, which I timed apparently really well because I timed it right for Mother's Day. But you know what? I think it's going to be good because, you know, I, I love the verse that says that Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation in the world. He came to bring salvation. And so that's what we are um, going to be talking about is about Jesus, salvation, and and those things as we dive into this question of exclusivity in hell. How can Christianity claim to be the only way and does God really send people to hell? So that will be this coming Sunday. If you would like more information about our church or listen to any of our studies online, you can check us out, whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So again, that website is whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our call-in line. We've got one caller already from my hometown here, Dennis calling from Longmont, Colorado. Hey, Dennis. Welcome to the program. How are you doing, Pastor? Thanks for taking my call. So good to hear from you. What's up? Got a quick question. Talking to my Catholic friends about Mary, and I'll make it short and sweet. They believe that Mary was born without sin. And then in Romans, I'm not sure where it says, all men were born with sin. So then they'll come back to me and go, well, what about Adam and Eve? They weren't born with sin before, you know, before the fall. So... How do I respond to that? Yeah, well, so the thing with Adam and Eve, right? They, Yeah, they were created. Let's put it that way. They weren't born. That's the thing to remember ah. about them. Okay, so that's one important difference. I like is that. Is that the, they were created, not born. And mm -hmm. uh, and then you, you know that sin is passed down from generation to generation. And so they right. were created directly by God. And then they sinned. They were, they, with that sin, corruption then entered the world. So let's say they had been born, or let's say they had had children before corruption entered the world. Those children would have theoretically been born sinless. Now Mary, being born of another human being, coming from that line, she wasn't created separately. 
So this, that's, that thing that they're talking about, it actually has a name, and sometimes people misunderstand exactly what it means. It's called the Immaculate Conception. Right. It actually refers uh, to the conception of Jesus, but what it's referring to is that Mary herself was without sin. And, and so that's, that's basically all that it is. Yeah, you've got that right. And uh, here's what's interesting is that that doctrine is, you know, kind of a later creation in Roman Catholicism. It, it wasn't one that existed at all times. And it, it hasn't always existed in Roman Catholicism. Kind of a later development, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And um, so, I mean, I would, I, I would address this in a couple ways with your friends. I would say, number one, uh, Adam and Eve were created, not born. So that's your first one. Number two... Um, Mary was not created. She was born, and there was no break in that succession of human beings up until Mary. So there's that's your second point. Your, your third point is that if uh, they'll go back to what we call the patristic period, meaning the church fathers from Augustine, Irenaeus, these types of guys way back in the earliest days of Christianity, the first 500 years of Christianity, you're not going to find that doctrine of the Immaculate Conception because it was a later development in medieval Catholicism. So I would even say to them that, hey, look, um, Catholics haven't even always taught this. So You know, I, pre I, pre I appreciate that. And they'll say something like, well, how could she be with sin because Jesus is sinless? And my answer to that is like, whoa, whoa. When you're, you know, we're going on a slippery, slippery slope. Because if you tell me that Jesus can't do something, you're on a slippery slope. So that's no different than saying the trans transfiguration or rising of the dead. So never say Jesus could not do anything because that's a slippery slope you're going down. Right. I mean, I do understand their argument. They're they're trying to say, hey, how can you do that? I guess my answer to them would be, yeah, but it talks about sin being passed down through the seed. And um, I mean, I don't want to get into too much anatomy with no, you here, but the seed speaks of the male uh, reproductive part. So. I understand. Yeah, they just say that Gabriel would say, uh, Hail, Mary, Hail, Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace. So that means Mary was full of grace, so she wasn't born without sin. But we can go on and on. But that you answered, I couldn't, I didn't, I like that about the created to born. That, that's the, that was stumbling for me. So, Pastor, you hit a home run like always, so thank you. Hey, I appreciate it, Dennis. Take care. God bless you. You too. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, on the air with you today, taking your calls and texts. Uh, with that call, now we have all open lines. So if you have wanted to call in, we, now's a great time to do so. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. You know, yesterday we were talking in our church about the issue of suffering and evil and uh, and how it is and why this is an issue for uh, Christians. So I wonder if there are any of you who are listening today, maybe you have uh, you would like to speak on that subject or you have questions related to that subject. I found that it's it's really a big one because not only not only is it a um, a biblical issue, but it is a personal issue. So for many of us, it isn't just a theoretical issue that there's pain and suffering in the world. It's a, it's a very personal issue. It's things that have happened to us. And I think if we, we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that a lot of times our personal convictions are shaped by our personal pains. Our, and so, um, yeah, so 
you know, we addressed uh, several reasons for this and, and how it can be that God can be good and loving and all-powerful, and yet uh, there is sin and evil in the world yesterday. So anyway, it was a great study, and uh, this coming Sunday, like I said, we're going to be talking about the issues of hell and exclusivity of Christianity, kind of just uh, hitting on a lot of hot-button issues in this series that we've been doing at our church, but it's been really good. And if any of you are interested in checking out any of those messages, check out our website, whitefieldschurch.com. We have all, our, all of our past messages from the series up, up until uh, now up on the site. So let's go. I had a text question that came in I'd like to share with you. Okay, so this person asked the question. Here's the text. They said, there are a number of times in the Gospels that Jesus performs a miracle and then he tells the person who was healed and those who witnessed the healing not to tell anyone about it. And I wonder why. Why did Jesus do that? So the obvious answer from a human perspective seems to be that he feared the Jews and those who wanted to shut him down. But since Jesus is God, why would he not just be glad for the good news to spread far and wide and uh, and why would he be fearful of sinful men taking strikes at him? It just doesn't uh, doesn't really seem to be his nature. So that's a great question. And it, I think it's one that a lot of people wonder about. So there are a few things to consider when it comes to um, understanding why Jesus did uh, what he did on these occasions. So number one, I would say this. Jesus told people not to tell other people about his miracles and identity sometimes, but other times Jesus did actually tell people to tell everybody. So so this idea that um, Jesus just was going around telling everybody to keep quiet about who he was isn't always the case. There are actually some direct uh, examples of when Jesus told people, I want you to go out and tell everybody what happened to you. And And there are times when he doesn't give them any instructions at all, and then they do go out and tell the people. So let's put it this way. There, there are three main instances in which Jesus instructed people not to tell others who he was or what he had done. So one of these is a, it's, uh, it's um, three, three different stories in three different Gospels, but they're all telling the same story. So it's just three different instances of the same story in all three different, or in three different Gospels. We call them the synoptic Gospels, either Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so the, this really one occasion where Jesus instructed somebody not to tell somebody, and that is found like in Luke, or sorry, Mark chapter 1, Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 5. It's all the same story. It's a guy who, who had leprosy. Jesus healed him and then told him not to tell anybody that it was Jesus who had did this. But here's what's interesting. The guy didn't follow Jesus' instructions. He actually did go out and tell everybody. There was another time when Jesus... Uh, confirmed to his disciples that he was indeed the Messiah. They had this kind of sneaking suspicion, and finally Jesus said outright, yes, I am the Messiah. But then he said, don't tell anybody yet. And then there's a third example, which is when Jesus uh, told demons not to speak about him and tell others who he was, and that's found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 3. Uh, on the other hand, there are other occasions where Jesus did tell people to go out and tell everyone who he was. So for example, like Mark chapter 5 Stories also found in Luke chapter 8. There's this guy who is possessed by a demon. Jesus casts the demons out of him. And then the guy says, uh, hey, Jesus, now I want to follow you. I want to go with you, and I want to be one of your disciples. And Jesus says, no, I don't want you to go with me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, he says, go home and tell all your friends what the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And so the man went away, and he began to proclaim in, it says, in the Decapolis, which was a, a big city near the Lake of Galilee. Uh, what Jesus had done for him, and everybody marveled. Another example is then, of course, at the end of the Gospels in Mark 
or Matthew chapter 28, Mark 16, where Jesus tells his disciples, he gives them what's called the Great Commission. He tells them to go out into all the world and make disciples in his name and, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe everything that he commanded. And so, so in other words, it, it, it's kind of a mixed bag and it's really only on a special few occasions when Jesus tells somebody not to tell others who he was. On other occasions, he actually did tell people to tell others who he was. So what would the reasoning be then behind these different approaches? Why would Jesus tell some people not to tell who he was and other people to actually tell who he was? Um, I'll give you two reasons. Number one, it was a matter of publicity. So it's a matter of publicity. Uh, one problem with people spreading the word about Jesus healing them was that it would draw a bunch of large crowds who wanted to see a miracle. And so it actually tells us there in Mark chapter 1 that because there were such big crowds, Jesus couldn't actually enter a town anymore, but he had to go out into the wilderness because so many people were coming to him from every quarter. So Jesus had this agenda where he wanted to go from town to town and preach the gospel, but he wasn't even able to enter a town because people were just thronging around him. And the other problem was, Everybody who wanted to, who came to him wanted to see him do some miracle or some you know, spectacular act, uh, a healing or something like that. But Jesus says there, and like in Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, it is not for this reason primarily that I came. He says, the primary reason I came, he says, is to preach the gospel, to preach the good news, to preach and to teach. And so for Jesus, he felt that if too many people were crowding around just wanting to see a sign, wanting to see a miracle, then it would take away from his ability to go into places and preach and teach. So that's why he told this person on this occasion not to tell everybody who he was. But of course, that guy didn't answer, didn't, uh, sorry, listen to what Jesus was saying. And then a big crowd did gather and then Jesus had to go out into the wilderness. Another one, when it comes to demons, I think that's pretty obvious. You know, Jesus didn't want demons to be the ones proclaiming who he was, maybe so that people wouldn't associate Jesus with demons, or maybe so that the demons wouldn't have the chance to misrepresent Jesus, you know, because they, they might do that. So so he told the demons to keep quiet. He wants to be the one who tells people who he is, and, and his followers to tell people who he is, not demons. And the other reason is this, that the, the Jewish people had a lot of misconceptions about who the Messiah was going to be, right? So some didn't believe there would be a Messiah. Some thought there were going to be two Messiahs, right? One was a king, one, one that's a priest. And others were waiting for like a warrior king. And in one occasion, we know that in, uh, I think it's John chapter 6. Yeah, John 6 verse 15. It says that some people tried to force Jesus to become their king. Like they tried to force him against his will to become their king. And so they had all these expectations of what the Messiah would be. And so Jesus is like, no, I want to, I, it's a matter of timing for me. I, I want to be able to tell people who I am. I want to teach them about the kingdom of God. And then I want them to understand in light of those things, what it means for me to be the Messiah. So it was a matter of publicity on the one hand, matter of timing on the other hand, as to why Jesus on occasion told people not to go and, and proclaim on the rooftops that it was him who had done a miracle or that who he was and all that stuff. But of course, we do read that uh, by the end of Jesus' ministry, when he enters Jerusalem, it was just he was right out there in the open telling people, this is who I am. This is what I've come to be about. And so it was just a matter of publicity and a matter of timing when it came to why Jesus sometimes tried to conceal his identity or conceal some things that he had done publicly. So yeah, thank you for that question. Very good question. And one that I know a lot of people have wondered about. I've wondered about it myself. So you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go back to our call in line to Shannon 
in Brighton, Colorado. Hey, Shannon. Hi, how you doing today? Doing great. What's up? Uh, well, I had a praise report. I called in a couple of weeks ago because my 15-year-old daughter had ran away from home, and we had no idea where she was at or what was going on and worried to death about her that something had happened to her. And I just wanted to let you all know and thank you for your prayers. And she's home, and she's good, and you know, we're all doing okay. Well, her and I are doing okay, and she uh, she's actually going to dedicate her life to the Lord and get baptized on the 20th at Calvary Brighton, and I'm going to re- rededicate my life to them, to the Lord, there at the same time. And just wanted to thank you all for, for all your prayers and all your help, and I know that, that God answered them, and she's home and healthy, and no harm, no foul, thank goodness. So. Well, wow, that's great, Shannon. Hey, you know, we love to hear these praise reports. I do actually, I think I was the one who talked to you a couple weeks ago when you were talking about her being gone. And, and yeah, you're you're worried. So, hey, yeah. thank you for calling in. We love to hear those praise reports. And uh, um, that's awesome that you guys are connected over in Brighton. I'm a, a good friend of yeah. Pastor Paul over there. And actually, he is, he is Paul, awesome. yeah, Paul, Bhutan, and Calvary Brighton, and, and Whitefields together next March, we're taking a trip to Israel. Really? And uh, yeah, so uh, we're pretty wow. connected with those guys over there. So, you know, what's funny, I actually asked Paul to come and speak at Whitefields on the 20th, and he told me he couldn't because he's baptizing some people. And it sounds yeah. like you guys are the people getting baptized. So that is awesome. Yeah, it, it's going to be awesome. I, uh, I I got baptized a long time ago, and I was actually in jail when it happened when I was like 25 years old. And mm-hmm. I just figured that was probably the most appropriate place, the best way to go about it. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. It was more of a comfort thing than anything, being in an uncomfortable place. Now it's just, you know, God's got my back, and I want to show him that I've got his too, like he needs it or anything, you know, but yeah. I just... It was amazing the way everything worked out and all the people that were praying for her to come home safe. And, you know, just I really do thank you. And then I did have a prayer request because mom hasn't been doing very well. And I just wanted to maybe get some people praying for her her mental health. She's she's really not doing good at all. And just the, the whole scenario with Faith being gone and everything really threw her into a tailspin. Okay. Just need her to need her to get healthy again. Yeah. Well, let's pray for you then, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this praise report. We thank you for this good news. Lord, we love to celebrate the good things that you do. We remember those ten lepers who you healed, and uh, of the ten lepers, only one of them returned to rejoice and say thank you. And we we want to be like that leper. We don't want to be like the nine who just go on our way and forget very quickly what you've done for us. So, Lord, we return to you right now and just say thank you. We remember that we prayed and we asked you to bring. Uh, Shannon's daughter home. Thank you that she's back and that she's at the point of rededicating her life to you or dedicating her life to you for the first time getting baptized at the church. And we pray for that to be, Lord, just a really monumental turning point in her life, something that she's able to look back on later and say, this is the point when uh, when I when I laid down my yes and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would empower her by your spirit to truly walk with you. And, uh, and Lord, we pray for mom in this situation. Lord, we pray for mom, Lord, that uh, the trauma and, and all the things that she's been going through, Lord, that you'd bring about healing, that you'd bring about clarity in her mind. And Lord, um, we do pray for her health, 
mental health. Lord, we pray for others listening on the radio right now who maybe struggle with uh, anxiety, depression, other mental health issues. Lord, we pray that where there has been confusion, you bring clarity. Where there has been uh, illness, Lord, that you would bring healing. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do these things. And uh, and we're encouraged as we pray because we have this uh, encouragement that, Lord, you have heard prayers in the past, and we trust that you will hear this prayer as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you, you Pastor. God bless you. Thanks God for calling you in. you too. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are coming up on our mid-show break in just a couple minutes here, but we will go to Marcus on line two. Hey, Marcus. Hi. How are you doing? Good. You? I'm doing great. What's up? Uh, I had a question. How do you build your faith? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I would say that there are several ways, but I would tell you that the number one way that I want you to build your faith is by reading your Bible. And I'll tell you, after that, I'm going to tell you that I, I would love to see you build your faith by being in church and in community with other Christians. I think that's very important. I'll tell you that this here's what the Bible says. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so I think that that's true not just of hearing audibly, but I think it's true of reading the scriptures. And so if you um, read the scriptures, and I think that your faith is going to grow. And I would just encourage anybody listening to that same thing. Read the Bible, and, and it's going to do a good work in your life. You know, Hide the scripture in your heart by reading it, taking it in every day. And it's going to uh, bear good fruit in your life. You're going to see yourself change and transform over time. You're going to see your faith in God grow. Especially because a lot of stories in the Bible are stories about great things that God has done. So as you read that, you're going you're gonna, to um, see those things. It's going to build your faith. So read the Bible. Go to church where you can hear the Word of God taught. Go to a good church that teaches the Bible. And then the other thing I say, you need community with other people. You know, one of the one of the things that the Bible tells us about building faith is that faith also comes by by hearing testimonies, seeing God's work in other people's lives. And so I think that's why it's really important to have community with other Christians so you can hear about how God's working in their life. And you can see, like, like we just had a call from a guy. I don't know if you heard it because you were on hold. But we just had a call from a guy. We prayed for this guy a couple weeks ago. He was really distraught, and now he's calling in. And I remember we had even prayed that... Um, that his daughter would come back home, she had run away, and that she would give her life to the Lord. And he just called in to tell me that that's exactly what happened. And so I think that being with other Christians, you know, it's really important to see how God's working in their lives. That is something that also builds your faith. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. God bless you, Marcus. God bless right. you too. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. In Longmont, Colorado, we are two minutes from our mid-show break, and we have all open lines, so it's a good time to call in. Again, the number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. So we had another question come in, and that question was, why does it? Why is it that the date of Easter changes every year, and uh, the date of Christmas does not? So um, the reason for that is because 
Easter is based off of um, the Passover. And the Passover is Jewish holiday, which is, and the Jews actually have their own calendar. It's a lunar calendar. So it it's, uh, goes on a different cycle than our, our calendar, which we use the solar calendar, right? Like we, we do 365 days is how long it takes us to go take a trip around the sun uh, on Earth. But lunar calendar is based on the cycles of the, the moon. And so the Jewish calendar is, is based on moon cycles. And so that's why the, there's a discrepancy in the date. So if we were just going by the uh, moon calendar, uh, then the date of, or the lunar calendar, then the date of Easter wouldn't change every year, but that's uh, the other thing. The other thing about the Christmas is that Christmas is based on the solar calendar. And the other reason is, um, yeah, so the date of Christmas is, is always on the same date. It's based on a different calendar. So that's, that's all that it comes down to. Now, of course, we as Christians don't actually believe that Jesus was born on December 25th. That's just the day when we traditionally celebrate his birth. More likely, he was born during the summer months because we know that the, uh, the shepherds were out in the fields at night. Hey, we've come up to our two-minute break. We have all open lines. Uh, if you'd like to call in, the number is 303-690-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. 690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to Danny in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, Danny. Hey. Um, I was just trying to actually read some Bible passages on my um, own this weekend, and I had a few questions on Zechariah 9-11. through 11. Okay. I was completely lost, and I was hoping for pretty much some clarification on all three chapters. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. No, so Zechariah—it's a—it's a hard book to understand, and um, a lot of it deals with um, prophecy of things that are to come. So I'm going to try and pull up. I have an outline of Zechariah that I wrote for our church, and so I'm trying to pull that up real quick. Um, okay, here we go. Also, hey, could I get you to turn down your radio? It sounds like your radio is on. Yes. Okay, cool. Okay, so I am just uh, pulling up this outline I wrote of Zechariah a little while ago. And, uh, yeah, we did a class on the Minor Prophets just at our church a few uh, months ago, and it was really well attended because a lot of people, like yourself, it sounds like, um, have, have questions. You know, how do you make sense of this book? It's uh, It can be very difficult to understand, so... Uh, and yeah, just not finding this. But let me let me look up another um, outline of it. Yeah. So here I'll tell you a few things. So first of all, we're dealing with um, judgment of Israel's enemies. Okay. So that's the first thing. I think the first thing to remember is that uh, Zechariah. We're looking at when Zechariah was written. That's actually where I want to start. Zechariah was written after the exile. Okay. So are you familiar with Israel's history at all? Basically, a little bit, yeah. Okay, so what happened is that there was this threat of exile, 
Okay, so what happened is that during like the times of, um, let's say, Isaiah, Jeremiah, it was all building up to this exile, right? So where Israel and Judah were, were doing things, they were getting into things that were, were really not pleasing to God, and God kept giving them warnings. He's saying the things you're doing are wrong, they're evil, you need to stop, or else I'm going to let some things happen to you to get your attention, and I'm going to let you be carried off into exile. I'm going to let another nation attack you and basically overpower you in war, and, um, and that's going to lead to an exile. And so that actually happened. So, and, uh, so they were carried off into exile. And during that time that they were in exile, so Judah and Israel, the southern tribes and the northern tribes, actually became reunited because the kingdoms that had taken over them, first Assyria took over Israel, and then Judah was taken over several years later by um, Babylon. But then those kingdoms kind of were overtaken and there was this Babylon took over Assyria and then Persia took over both of them. And so all that happened. So in the end, the two kingdoms were rejoined to each other. And then what happened is that under the time of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and we read about this in like Nehemiah, that the people of Israel then came back to the nation of Israel and, and to the land of Israel. And they, they reestablished their country and they rebuilt the um, the temple there. And so it's important to remember that Zechariah is writing during that time. And one of the things that had happened during that time is that um, the people had turned again away from God. So it's like they had, God had brought them back out of Israel or out of uh, exile, but now they've kind of gone back to their old ways a little bit. So that's, that's kind of the context for it. So what he's writing is that he's writing, uh, the Lord is going to bring judgment on Israel's enemies. This is one of the promises. The next is that he's, there's going to come a coming king of Zion. So the Lord will, then the Lord will save his people. Really, what's really important to understand about this, these chapters, is that they're pointing to things which have not yet happened, at least in the time when they were spoken. And so God is talking about how if they will, the people will turn back to him, he will bring them a savior, and that savior will be the Messiah. In fact, Zechariah talks more about the Messiah than any other uh, part, any other prophetic book. Almost, it's talking about uh, the future and about the the Messiah. So that's okay. what it's talking about when it's, and especially if you go on, it's actually really exciting because uh, Zechariah talks about some things which even in our day have not yet happened. It talks about how Jesus will return, the Messiah. Jesus will return and chapter 12 is really exciting because it talks about how he'll return and he'll he'll reveal himself to the Jewish people and they'll see him as one who has been pierced and they'll say who pierced you and he'll say well I got these wounds in the house of my friends and so it's showing how Jesus in the end times will come back and reveal himself to the people of Israel. Hmm. Okay well that that definitely uh, opens a lot of stuff up for me. Thank you very much. I, I've understand a little bit better now i hope so yeah and like i said uh the, the i think one of the best things you can do to understand these prophetic books is to kind of zoom out on them kind of it's really important to understand the context of them so uh, that's kind of where i would tell you to begin is by looking at context and then the next thing i would tell you to look at is um kind of try and get an overview of the of the whole book because that's going to make a big difference in how you understand it. Sometimes when you dial in too closely on the prophetic books, they can actually become pretty confusing. So, is there any other book that you would recommend I read before reading books of prophecy? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I would recommend a whole lot of other books in the Bible, but it sounds... How did you end up reading Zechariah? I'm just curious. Um, honestly, since I've found faith, um, every night I pray, and then I ask God to... Uh, give me a passage that he thinks I should know or something that would help me better myself or strengthen my relationship with him. And I opened up to Zechariah 9 through 11 um, on, I believe it was Friday or Saturday night. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, that's good. But I I would actually recommend if you want to read the Bible, the one of the best things you can do is actually read through an entire section of Scripture. That way you get all the context. I mean, that's actually what makes the prophetic books um, hard to read, is that sometimes it's hard to get the context and understand what exactly he's talking about. Is this something that happened in the past? Is something that's going to happen in the future? So I would recommend start by reading one of the Gospels. I'd recommend the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of John. And then okay. I would go on read the book of Acts, which comes, you know, chronologically after that the events that happen in the Gospels. And then just keep reading through the New Testament and Romans. And what's interesting is that as you read through the New Testament, a lot of references will be made to the Old Testament. And then w- later on, I would encourage you, once you've read the New Testament, then go read the Old Testament. And a lot of it's going to make a lot more sense to you because you've already read the New Testament, which refers back to the Old Testament a lot. Okay. Thank you yeah. very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, of course, I would recommend that you you go to a good church that teaches you through the Bible. So. I, I definitely am. Cool. Awesome. God bless you. Awesome. Thanks for Thank calling Thank you in. so much. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, in the meantime, I was telling that caller about uh, an outline that I wrote of the book of Zechariah. And in the meantime, I found that. So let me just give you, uh, who are listeners, kind of kind of the big picture view of what happens in the, in the book of Zechariah. Right? So the context is that people have been brought out of exile, but now they're starting to turn away from God again. And so in the beginning of the book, Zechariah talks about Israel's past sins and God's judgment upon them in the past. Then he goes into eight visions that happen, take place. And then he talks about the rest of the book from like chapter 6 to chapter 14 is all about how the Messiah is going to come. And so some of that's leading up to Jesus, fulfilled in Jesus. But then some, then around chapter 9, which is the part that our caller was reading the other day and, and not sure about what it meant, that's when he makes the transition to talking about Jesus who has come to in the very end of all things, how Jesus is going to come back and he will come uh, not as a suffering servant who dies for our sins, but he'll come as a coming king who brings salvation to all of God's people in, um, in that way. So he conquers and he comes and brings and reveals himself to all people. So that's Zechariah. Again, Zechariah is considered one of the more uh, confusing and, and uh, not easy to read books of the Bible, but the key to those books, by the way, is always context and getting the big picture before you do the the deep dive on the specifics. So I hope that helps anybody out there looking for uh, guidance on how to read the prophetic books. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Lisa in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, Lisa. 
Hello. Hey, welcome to the program. What's going on? Oh, well, um, I just, uh, as I was telling you earlier, um, I'm a God-fearing woman. Um, I've been walking with the Lord well, pretty much my whole life. Um, but I have a real struggle with my working conditions because I work with a, quite a few homosexual people. Um, I know it's not my place to judge them. I know that Christ died for each and every one of us. Um, but a few of them... Uh, reiterate that they have a relationship with God. I, I don't know if it's my God or, uh, you know, they go to church. And I, I just, I have a really hard time not accepting, but I'm, I'm torn because I feel like, you know, at this day and age, it's like almost shoved down our throats that we have to accept it and we have to, you know, I pray for these people, I do, that the Lord would open their eyes. And, and I'm not I'm not judging everybody, anybody, and that might sound like I am. I, it, it's my own personal uh, insecurity, I should say, um, mm. that I, I don't know. I pray every day that the Lord would give me guidance and wisdom uh, and strength uh, to not let it bother me. But in a lot of instances, it really does. And... Uh, I don't know, I'm just torn. Is there any scripture that I could reflect on and dwell on that would help me get through this? Yeah, I think there are several issues here. So one one of them is that uh, Paul the Apostle, in his letter to the Corinthians, he talks about how it's important to understand, um, are we dealing with somebody who is claiming to be a Christian or somebody who is not? Because if they're not claiming to be a Christian, then we should... Um, not necessarily hold them to Christian standards, right? Like um, uh-huh. it, it's not our job to judge people who are who are in the world. That's God's job. Um, but if they are in the church, then there is a there's an accountability that comes along with that, and that's where um, there is some, like I said, accountability. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first question. Now, what's interesting is that you mentioned that some of them mentioned having a relationship with God, and and I think that um, you know there there are plenty of people who would claim that what's really interesting is that over the last couple of years, there's been a movement of um, people who claim to be evangelical Christians. I mean, evangelical means that you believe the Bible, you take the Bible mm-hmm. seriously mm-hmm. and then they claim to be either um, homosexual or, or homosexual affirming. And so that's been a, a kind of interesting development that's happened recently is that you can no longer just say, oh, I'm evangelical Christian or I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and therefore that's why I believe what I believe. There's been a major push of people trying to reinterpret the Bible and reinterpret historical convictions that Christians have had for 2,000 years regarding homosexual relationships and uh, and try to change those now. And it's motivated a lot of times, and I say all, all the time, it's motivated by... Um, by cultural uh, acceptability, right? It's no longer right. acceptable to do that. I, I guess the, really the thing I would encourage you with is that Jesus was able to spend time with people he really disagreed with and people whose lifestyles um, bothered him specifically. And we know that they bothered him. It wasn't just that he, um, you know, it, we know that they bothered him because it says in the Bible that God looked upon uh, the people of the earth, like at the time of Noah, and their actions grieved him to the heart. And so right. we know that God actually is personally grieved by people who disregard his word and, and, and do things which, which 
he himself takes offense at because he created us in a certain way. He's given us moral, ethical guidelines. And when we go against them, it grieves him to the heart. It grieves him personally. And so um, that would be the one thing I'd tell you is that I, I do believe that you're on the right track in, in knowing that it is not your job to judge. It's your job to love and God's job to judge, especially people who are outside of the church. I would just encourage you to try to see those people through God's eyes. One one scripture that comes to mind is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul the Apostle says that he makes it his goal to no longer see anyone according to the flesh. Right. In other words, he tries to see everyone he sees. He tries to see them through spiritual eyes, uh, whether that person's a Christian or not a Christian. So if they're uh -huh. a Christian, he wants to see them the way that God sees them. He wants to see them in Christ as a new creation. And what that means is that in spite of how a person might act in any given moment, he wants to remember who they are in God's eyes. Now, that the same thing applies to people who are not Christians, who are not living in a biblical or godly way. Um, the Bible would say we view them the same way. And one of the things I, I often think about with the Apostle Paul, even when it comes to people who call themselves Christians, he says, hey, if there's somebody who's... who's um, in the church or in your community, and they're living in a way that is not uh, in line with with the Bible or with God's will, he says, he says, I don't want you to treat that person as a Christian. I want you to treat them as you would treat an unbeliever. Now, I think that's really interesting because then mm -hmm. we have to ask the question, how do we treat unbelievers as Christians? We have to ask that question. I think if you look at Jesus and how he treated unbelievers, and if you look at how the New Testament in general encourages us to treat unbelievers, how is it? it or do we shame them? Do we uh, ostracize them? And the answer is not at all. How did right. Jesus treat unbelievers? He treated them with tons of love, tons of respect, yeah. and, and he reached out to them. He befriended them. That was, he was known as the friend of sinners. Right. And I would just take that as a challenge to all of us, that if Jesus could be known as the friend of sinners, then then I I want to follow his example. I want to walk in his way. And right. so I would actually I'm gonna actually challenge you to befriend these people and step out outside of your comfort zone and and actually reach out to them and befriend them. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I like them. I you know I have a good rapport with them as a working condition. It's just that when they uh one in particular is blatantly uh, flamboyant and uh, speaks about, you know, their escapades and their extracurriculars. And it makes me kind of squirm like a worm on a hook. Uh, and I do pray for them. Um, and, and I'm not rude. I'm not callous. I'm not judgmental because I know I have to reflect the love of Christ. And I'm I'm never rude to them or you know, to anybody, much less them. I it just I, I just feel that the Lord has to work inside of me, um, so that I can be more accepting. It it, it it's, it's almost like they they're right. They have their right to maybe shove it down uh, our throats as far as you know. This is who I am, and and you have to like it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I dislike. I don't care what anybody does with their life. I do pray for them, and I pray for their salvation. I do. Um, and I know it's, like I say, it's not my place to judge, and I don't. I just, it's my own personal feeling of, uh, I don't know, sorrow maybe, because I know it, it grieves the Spirit, it grieves the Lord, and 
and I maybe I grieve for him. I, I don't know. It's just really strange. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I guess what I here's two things that I'm going to encourage you to think about and to do. One is that I'm I encourage you to remember the gospel. See, here's what happens when we think about the gospel and when we let it really sink in. I, I heard it put put this way, and I found it to be true in my life, that when you really understand the gospel and you reflect on it, what it does is it does two things. Number one, it makes you extremely humble because you realize that in no way are you better than anyone else. Now, of course, I know that you understand this. I can hear it from what you're saying. But right. it just encourages this mentality that, wow, I am a person who is saved by grace. I'm more sinful than I than I could even imagine, but I'm more right. loved by God than I could ever dare to dream. And so when you get to that place of just that, that humility, but the other thing it does, it gives you a lot of confidence, right? Because right. you say, wow, I am this much loved by God. He could save someone, even me. And it just gives you this extreme humility and this extreme confidence and boldness. And so I just encourage you to spend uh, time reflecting on the gospel and let that just sink deep into your heart. And the other thing I would say is, again, I would encourage you to do something that is overtly just um, an act of friendship and kindness towards these people and just cause yourself to do that. Because what happens is that our outward actions actually shape our hearts, right? So I think that's awesome that you're praying for for these people. I would even encourage you just to pray about what's something you can do practically just to show um, friendship to this person. And the reason I bring this up is I was going to tell you a story. There are two people who... um, who I know of, who have written really extensively on this topic, and um, from a Christian perspective. One is Christopher Yuan. So it's mm-hmm. Christopher Yuan, Y-U-A-N. Mm-hmm. And he is a um, he is a man who uh, had become a, a uh, homosexual at one point in his life, and then he had come out of it and given his life to Christ. And so Christopher Yuan has written a lot about this, and he's written about how to engage this uh, aspect of culture. And another one is a woman named Rosaria Butterfield. And she has also written, um, so written very well. She converted to Christ. She was a, she used to be a professor of women's studies at Syracuse university. She converted to Christ in 1999. And what's really interesting about her story is that Rosaria Butterfield, she was a, uh, she was a lesbian and then she was actively living this lifestyle and going to college, but somebody invited her to a Bible study. Actually, one of her coworkers invited her to a Bible study. And she's like, why in the world? You know, she never said this, but she was just thinking, why in the world uh, would you invite me to a Bible study? I'm a lesbian and you know that, you know, that we disagree on this topic. Right. But she's like, well... I guess I'll just go. And she said that her entire the entire time she went to this Bible study, she was just waiting for someone to bring up uh her sexuality and like make it an issue or like, you know, tell her she's this or that. And she said no one ever brought it up. These people just loved her and cared about her. And she said no one had to tell her that this was obviously wrong according to the Bible. She knew it. And the fact that these people just loved her and treated her with so much grace and respect, she actually came to the point where she said, I want this so bad. I want Jesus so bad that if it's incompatible for me to uh, live a gay lifestyle and be a follower of Jesus, then I'll give up the gay lifestyle and I'll follow Jesus. And I just think that's such an amazing testimony. And it speaks so many volumes of like how, how far love and kindness uh, can go and how much they are needed in these, uh, in dealing with these issues. So anyway, check her out. Rosaria Butterfield. Yeah. 
I Absolutely. will check them out, Christopher Yuan. I will check that out. And uh, Rosaria uh, Butterfield? Butterfield, that's correct. I will check that out. Thank you so much for enlightening me, and uh, God bless your ministry. I listen faithfully to Grace FM every day. Awesome. God bless you. Right, uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, if you are in the Longmont area, we would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday or any Sunday. This coming Sunday is Mother's Day, or as I like to call it, Bring Your Mom to Church Day. Or for you moms out there, it's Bring Your Kids to Church Day. This is a great opportunity for you, whether you're a mom or whether you have a mom, to, to go to church this Sunday. And, uh, and if you're in the Longmont area, we would love to have you join us. Our church meets at 10 a.m. in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, 700 Longspeak Avenue, downtown Longmont. And um, if you need more information, directions, you want to listen to past messages, find out what's up at our church, then the, the website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. We've got five minutes left in the show. Let's go to Dominic in Lakewood, Colorado. Hey, Dominic. Hey, Pastor Nick. What's going How are on? You? Doing great. Good, good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I yeah. just wanted to uh, uh, just give some encouragement to the to the last caller uh, about having coworkers that uh, you know unbelieving coworkers. Um, I, I work in a situation that's uh, fairly similar. I, none of them uh, aren't. I shouldn't say none of them, but very few of them are homosexual. But uh, uh, regardless, they're non-believers. And I think the best thing is, like, when you're befriending somebody, is trying to look at them as, like, a family member or a great friend. Uh, and what would you want to do, uh, you know, for that great friend is introduce them to the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I think befriending them and inviting them to a Bible study or uh, so right along the lines of what you were telling her is just, you know, inviting them to a, a very God-fearing church uh, into the body of Christ that will just love on them. And then, you know, over time, the Holy Spirit will do His work in their heart. So, Yeah, no, I think that's, that's good advice. And I, I think that really is, I think this is something that we, and I think our previous caller really understood that. She was really just looking for a direction. But I think this is really true that, um, man, love and respect in treating people this way goes a long way. And, you know, there are certain sins which uh, in our society are more taboo than others. But I think it's important to remember that, um, that before God, you know, uh, we're all in the same boat apart from Jesus, no matter what our sin. You know, whether right. whether your sin is, is a heterosexual sexual sin or if it's homosexual sexual sin, at the end of the day, uh, you're in the same boat without Jesus. All of us are. Even if you have no sexual sin, say, maybe maybe there's something else in your life. And so I think that that whole concept of the gospel and understanding that um, – that I am a sinner saved by grace. It makes us so humble that when we approach people, we don't approach them with an air of superiority, but we approach them as as a fellow person who has found the way in Jesus and wants to help them find joy as well. I love what Paul Amen. the Apostle said. Do you ever read this in, in 2 Corinthians? He says, we're not here to, to lord over you or domineer over you. We're here to be helpers of your joy. And I think that concept, man, to be a helper of somebody's joy and to say, hey, I'm, I'm here to help you find joy in Jesus. 
you know, I think we do this all the time. You think about our culture, you know, all the social media stuff. We're always helping people find great things, aren't we? Like, hey, this is a great restaurant. Check it out. This is a great thing. I want you to experience that. Now, how much more important is that we do that same thing on a spiritual level and say, hey, I found true joy. I found forgiveness. I found redemption in Jesus. And I know that you need this too, and you'll benefit from it as well. So, hey, hey, man, I really appreciate you calling in and just giving that uh, that perspective. Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure, and uh, God bless you. And I'll be praying praying for uh, the caller and her coworkers as well. Yeah, absolutely. God bless you. Take care. All right, bye bye. Thank you. You bye bye. You're listening to Calvary uh, Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're coming up on the final two minutes of our show. Let's go to a text message that came in a little bit ago. This person says, what are some great Christian rap music artists for a teen to listen to? Uh, I've got a few for you. I'm going to recommend that you listen to Lecrae. I think he's great. And uh, another one is Trip Lee. Uh, Trip Lee is an uh, awesome guy. He's actually a preacher. He's a pastor. And um, and then there's one more that I'll turn you on to. It's a guy named Andy Minio. So just Google those. Uh, Lecrae, Andy Minio, and Trip Lee are kind of my go-tos. I listen to some of those guys myself. Um, so, yeah, hope that helps and hope that uh, that you can uh, get your kids hooked up with those. If there's any young people listening, check out Lecrae, uh, Trip Lee, or, um, or Andy Minio. Or if you're not young and you're, you're into the hip-hop thing, then go listen to those guys anyway. So... You're listening to Calvary Live. We are now in our final minute of the show. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, again, my name is Pastor Nick Cady, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. So glad to uh, have you on the show today. Let's go ahead and pray as we finish the show, and then we'll I'll send you off. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the great calls today. And Lord, I pray that as we seek you, Lord, you'd lead us into all truth. Um, by your Holy Spirit, and Lord, you lead us into a deeper appreciation of the gospel. That as we reflect on the gospel, Lord, we would be humbled in the sense of understanding who we are and and how you've saved us. We understand that we're sinners, and that uh, that Lord, you've you've had grace upon us, and Lord, that we would also be filled with a sense of confidence in you, Lord, that you do love us very much, and Lord, that you filled us with your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for these things, and I pray that you continue to bless the ministry of Calvary Live. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Calvary Live, and uh, I'll be with you again next Monday. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.